The Free for All Roundtable. Brought to you by Lexus Avon, Canada's newest Lexus dealer. Near Canada's Wonderland in the Maple Auto Mall. Luxury is closer than you think. Round one. On round one, former federal cabinet minister Lisa Raitt is here. Toronto lawyer Courtney Betty from Betty's Law. Jerry Agar from the Jerry Agar Show. Um, let's actually bat clean up on a story that broke yesterday morning. We knew it was coming. Um, but a sentencing of the man who killed four members of a Muslim family in London. And apparently, and maybe Courtney, I'll start with you, you're the lawyer, um, by tacking on a life sentence for the attempted murder of the then nine-year-old boy, the judge made it that much more difficult for this individual to get parole. And most of us know he'll never get parole, but even Paul Bernardo gets parole hearings. But what say you? Well, I've been looking at this, you know, John, and an issue with the parole process right now, the Supreme Court made a decision, uh, I guess it was 2022, that the eligibility period for parole, that you could not stack it. And I'm, I'm really questioning that because I think where you have what I would call multiple murders, such as the situation here, when you, where you have the kind of hatred uh, the kind of thinking that went into it, then maybe we do have to, you know, consider it. And maybe even 25 years, in, in my view, may not even be sufficient in some of these situations. Lisa Raitt, your thoughts? I mean, of course, I'm a law and order conservative. I, I have no problem at all with this with this happening this way. But I mean, to your point about he may never get out, never say never. Um, families and victims have to go through all of these parole hearings uh, over and over again in statements. And it never leaves them. And as a result, I think the punishment should fit the, the crime. And in this case, I think the sentence is sound. And Jerry Iger, um, an additional factor was the judge saying, yes, indeed, this is terror. Now we know that's probably going to go to the Supreme Court. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Sure. Uh, but I, I find I, just my mind can't get around the fact that people say, oh, well, we have to have this uh, possibility, some faint hope of possible parole after 25 years. And then I'll say, yeah, well, they'll probably get out. In 20 oh, he'll never get out. Well, if he'll never get out, then why don't we just sentence him to uh, no possibility of parole. The only way you get out is in a body bag. Okay, but well, that would involve a change in the law, but I think a lot of people would support it. If you put that to a vote in the next election, it's a winner. I'm not a big fan of mm. referendums. I went through two of them. Uh, an ex-Doug <laughs> Ford staffer, two of them, as a matter of fact, appointed to a committee that selects Ontario judges. Lisa, you've been in government. I hate to be this cynical, but I mean, them's the them's what to the reaper to the to to the victor go the spoils. I mean, governments appoint their friends to committees and to boards and commissions and all kinds of other sinecures, and it's just the way it works. It's not just their friends. I mean, it's it's people who uh, view and, and have the same ideology or the same principles as they are. That is how democracy works. In the case of the two gentlemen that have been appointed to the board, look at their resumes. I think their resumes are sound. I think they're just as good as anybody else that you have in there as a lay member of the Judicial Advisory Committee. And the minister always gets to pick who's going to be the judge at the end of the day. This committee just provides a list of names to it. And quite frankly, 
if we're going to go down the road of saying that anyone who's ever been seen as partisan their entire life isn't eligible for any kind of advisory position, I don't think that's fair, quite frankly. And and just because you worked for a minister, well, now I'll put it this way, just because you haven't worked in the political system doesn't make you less a partisan. Trust me, I've met far more partisan people who have no job in the government than I've met within the government. Usually people are quite balanced. Jerry, I, I don't see a lot of partisan, partisanship when it comes to the appointment of judges anyway, so I really don't care about these appointments. Well, also, it's two members of a 13-member board. Are there no liberals on the on the board that were there in place already? I mean, 13 people are not all lined up together to make the same decision. I think you want a mix of people, and some of them are going to be connected to the current government, no matter who the current government is. Courtney Betty, do you aspire to be a judge? Um, I've had discussions about that, John, and, you know, I, I, I disagree this morning with uh, with Jerry. You know, the, the judicial system is the holy grail of our society. And if you look at Frank Cadero, and I respect Frank, he's a former uh, head of the Civil Liberties Association. Um, he pointed out, Jerry, it's not just whether or not these people actually have biases. It's the perception that the public needs to have confidence in our judicial system. And the other problem is if we keep on appointing friends and patriots, you're never going to get a diversity on the, on, on the courts, which is what we need in our society as well. So I think this was, again, even if these individuals may be qualified, the public perception of what's created, it's wrong. Well, you're arguing something, uh, Courtney, that I didn't say. I didn't say it's okay for Doug Ford to go appoint all the judges. I said people are getting wound up about uh, two people connected to him on a board of 13 people. Are you trying to say that all 13 of them are in the pocket of Doug Ford? No, not at all, Jerry. Well, then what's why the problem? Create, why, why, why create the situation where we have, let's call it, for lack of a better word, patronage apart, uh, appointments to one of our most sacred institutions that right now needs to go through changes in order to be better served the Canadian public. It's, ju it's just not the process. We've got to really look at it because you're excluding a lot of individuals that are great judges that end up sitting in positions for many years and never get uh, never get promoted. Well, I guess we can't put you on the board because I've heard you on the radio and you have opinions. <laughs> more, more than likely not. So did Ed Prochi, but he's a judge now. Yes. Oh, okay. uh, City of Ottawa, they had the reunion, I guess, of the convoy protesters last weekend, and we've learned that apparently the order went out uh, on the police force not to engage the protesters, not to issue any tickets. I actually think that's probably the better policy. Uh, let me start with Lisa Ray on this one. Lisa, I know people, for example, in Toronto thought that the police should have been more severe about pro-Palestinian protesters, but but having watched police engaging with protesters and getting into trouble, I just prefer that they supervise them. Yeah, I mean, this is a case where you're darned if you do and darned if you don't, right? Uh, you're going to get criticized. The police are going to get criticized regardless if they went ahead and ticketed or if they waited to ticket. I think where I really want to see the police intervene is when there's violence or threats of violence involved. And I think that's a good place to start, but handing out tickets, I'm going to leave it to them to decide which is appropriate, and they'll take the knocks in in the public, in the public eye. Yeah, and Courtney, there was horn honking and all kinds of other nuisance making, but it wasn't generally, you know, no, nobody was damaging property or threatening the personal safety of another person. Well, that's the whole point, John. I mean, the police did exactly what they needed to do 
which was to maintain peace at the time. And so all of a sudden, no, we're not saying, well, they didn't give out tickets because of fireworks. Like, really? Just congratulate the police for making sure that no one got harmed. Meanwhile, a Freedom Convoy organizer of the original one two years ago is suing Ottawa over the Emergencies Act because his account was frozen. Now, if this sounds familiar, and we don't have to spend a lot of time on it because we have kicked around the original lawsuit, they're still trying to piece together a class action suit. But, Jerry, this guy's going at it alone because he was one of the chief organizers. Well, along with his uh, wife, I think. Yeah, um, Yeah, I hope he wins uh, because, as a court just pointed out, uh, there was no legitimate reason to bring the Emergency Act into place. I think a lot of people are very casual about the the Emergency Act being brought in and don't realize that a lot of their civil liberties were uh, actually on hold during that period of time. Just because you weren't personally affected by it doesn't mean that wasn't the case. So um, I hope he wins just simply because it, it will hold back any government in the future if they start uh, thinking about bringing in the Emergency Act. If it isn't something like the FLQ crisis, there's no reason for it. Uh, even in the FLQ crisis, but we can talk about that another day. Courtney, Betty. I, I mean, Jerry's arguing for civil civil liberties and civil rights. I don't think I have anything more to add, you know, other than the fact that individuals did get hurt because of the length of period. Can you imagine you're running a business and all of a sudden your bank account is, hold, is frozen for a period of time? There were damages that were that, that did occur for these individuals. Although it's hard to run a business from a hot tub in Ottawa. But anyway, Lisa Ray, your thoughts? <laughs> Yeah, there are two ways governments get punished for these decisions. One is by the public, and the other one is through lawsuits. And uh, we'll see what the conservatives make of of this lawsuit. If they're going to publicize it, I expect that they will. Courtney, you weren't referring to people who had trouble with their business during the protest. You're talking about people who had their bank accounts frozen and they couldn't run their lives. Absolutely. Those are the individuals that were there, and some of them were really on the periphery. All they had done was literally donate to what they thought was a worthwhile cause. Yeah. Um, Everybody has in their pack this morning one take on the conflict, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Tomorrow is the second anniversary of that. But I agree with this take, and I've heard several people argue it, including on your show yesterday, Jerry uh, Christian Luprecht, who I thought had an amazing appearance on your show. From the War College. Yeah, and he was talking about, and this column talks about, it's less costly now for us to pay for the Ukrainians to try to defeat Russia than it will ever be if Russia wins. The reason to go after Saddam Hussein when he attacked Kuwait is that megalomaniacs like that uh, adventure into another country. They won't stop by just taking over one. Um, and, and I think there's no reason to assume that that would be the case with Putin as well. Lisa Ray, a lot of people don't think this is our fight. I got a text from a guy saying Vladimir Putin's a hero. Now, that's a form of dementia. Yeah. But um, a lot of people say we got money to spend here to fix our own problems. Let Ukraine fight on its own. Yeah, you got to you got to fit the existential problems as well. And for me, the column, the piece of the column that really resonated is the reality that should Russia win, it's not just taking some pieces of land that people probably think aren't worth fighting over, but it's the installation of a puppet regime in that government, Ukraine. And that is a huge problem because now we've got a a serious matter that we're going to have to deal with for the rest of our lives. Yeah. And Courtney, Betty, I guess Poland would be next. Well, that's the whole point I was just going to say, John. It's Ukraine is number is the starting point, and if we allow Putin to succeed in Ukraine, then all the countries are now going to be potentially at risk. So it is a battle for our democracy uh, as well, because we will be at risk in the end. 
No, you said that writing to you that Putin is a hero is some form of dementia, which is a you know sort of politer way of saying is he not. But uh, is that the case, or do you think that we we have a problem here that there are people in this country who actually think a guy like Putin is is a great man? And but the real problem I think is. You know, most people were on board for backstopping Ukraine up until Donald Trump announced that he was not. And then all of a sudden, American legislators started to turn on it. And I think people feel like they almost get marching orders from Donald Trump and by proxy the hard right in the United States. Therefore, they have to be on the same page, in which case Putin's right and Zelensky's a Nazi and and on it goes. And Trump is a wild card that's out there that's going to change things dramatically. So even all of the thoughts that we may have may become unimportant as of next year. Pat Foran did a report last night about the grandparent scam, and in particular talked about a woman with dementia who was scammed several days in a row. At least a rate, it's just, I mean, that is beyond cruel, but also something you'd hope that family members would take a greater interest in. So that's exactly the point, I think, from this. It's a sad story. It's a terrible story. But as well, I I want people to listen and understand that you are not being mean to your loved one who has dementia when you put guardrails around what they can and cannot do. Taking away their ability to utilize their bank account is not a bad thing. To have the courage to do the things you need to do to prevent things like this from happening. It's tough. I've been there. I know. But honestly, make these choices. And I, I absolutely agree with that. It's a, it's an extension of, you know, the first step is you take away the driver's license and the keys. And then if a person clearly can't control their life, then you've got to help them. Yeah. Well, we did it's that. It's the loving with, thing to do. We did that with my it dad. Is. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you all. And uh, people always being very, very frank on the round tables as well, because as many people probably know, Lisa Raitt's husband has uh, young onset uh, dementia. So my thanks to our panelists, Lisa Raitt, Courtney Betty, Jerry Agar, another panel coming your way at 845. Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845, weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.